If you've been paying attention, you've likely heard something about gut health and why zoning in on your gut health is so darn important. You need EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense. It's a three-in-one capsule that supports your digestive health and promotes gut barrier protection. I started taking EQ's Daily Women's Microbiome Defense because I have a bloating problem, friends. Yes, I do. Inflammation is not my friend. Since taking one capsule a day on an empty stomach with water, I have noticed more energy, improved skin, and here's the big one, reduced bloating. Head to myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE for 15% off Equilibria's microbiome defense and so much more. That's myeq.com and use code SUSTAINABLE at checkout for 15% off site-wide today. Nothing nurtures the world above better than the soil below, and that's why I am so excited to introduce you to Coast of Maine. Coast of Maine is an organic soil brand that offers a full range of products designed to cover all of your garden and lawn needs. In years past, my vegetable garden, I neglected the soil and I didn't have much yield. If your soil lacks appropriate nutrients for success, your garden may not succeed. And so this year, I am so excited to cultivate the soil before planting the plants with Coast of Maine's organic products. Coast of Maine believes in nurturing relationships with local retailers, so next time you're at your local retailer, look for Coast of Maine products. Get growing. Visit coastofmaine.com to find a local retailer near you, coastofmaine.com. Well, hello there and welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you are listening to episode 150 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast. On today's show, we are discussing how minimalism, and specifically how a life rooted in intention, can combat burnout. Now, the term burnout is relatively new. It was coined in 1974, and it was originally defined as the extinction of motivation. Now, if you have ever experienced burnout, you know that the symptoms of burnout likely include cynicism, fatigue, a generalized inability to cope, reduced performance in all aspects of life, and physical ailments too, like headaches and stomach aches and intestinal issues. It likely comes as a surprise to no one that nine months and counting of a global pandemic has brought us all closer to burnout. I know personally in my own life, there are some days, (laughs) many days, where I wake up feeling hopeless and angry and just done with this current reality. And that's why today I wanted to explore on the podcast whether a minimalist lifestyle, when intentionally applied, can remedy feelings of stress and exhaustion and even burnout. On today's show, I am speaking with Delaney Fisher. Delaney is a simplicity coach for entrepreneurs. And so today we are taking her entrepreneurial tips and applying them to the rest of us. On today's show, we are discussing the big picture, like what we want our lives to look like and how on earth we can get there. 
But we're also discussing the smaller day-to-day practicalities too, because it's in those small day-to-day practicalities where we often find ourselves tripped up, right? So we're also discussing how to bow out of obligations gracefully and why we should all start an outsourcing fund and how to examine your to-do list with a critical eye so that you can cut out the fat, so to speak. Now, this week's show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 150. And Delaney comes to our conversation today armed with so many tips and tricks. So let's waste no more time. Let's just get right into it. Enjoy the interview. Delaney, thank you so much for coming on the show. We are going to talk about minimalism and schedules and simplifying our crazy schedules. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. I love what you do. And I'm just, I'm thrilled to be here and have a conversation with you. So thanks. (laughs) Well, for anybody who does not know who you are... Introduce yourself to my listeners. Sure. I am, I'm the co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast, which is a comedic self-improvement show. And I'm a simplicity coach to entrepreneurs. So I help people uh, start, simplify, scale their businesses and passion projects. Amazing. So you're the perfect person to talk about simplifying schedules. I guess my first question for you would be, in 2020... For 99% of us, and that is a non-scientific number, but let's just go with it, 99% of us, life is frenetic and crazy and hectic, and we all kind of bond over being so over busy. I'm wondering, is there even a way for us to slow down? Good question. (laughs) Yes, I think there is. I mean, it's not going to be perfect. At least I don't, I have not met somebody who's perfect at not being busy, you know, indefinitely. I still struggle with it, but I think you have to really know what your goals are and what your priorities are. And then it becomes very simple to take things off your plate and to slow down and to be intentional with how you're working in your business and who you're spending your time with and what you're spending your time on. So yes, I think it's absolutely possible for everyone, but there's a lot of external pressures out there. There's a lot of other people's opinions that get in the way of our own desires. And I think that's what people really struggle with because if you really just ask what you want to be doing, the the answer is usually pretty simple, but you're fighting with what you think you should be doing and who you think you should be around and what career you think you should have. So yes, <laughs> that, was a, that was a long answer to a question, but yes, I think it's possible for everybody. You said so many things there that I really want to piggyback off of. And the first one was that you used the word intentionality and my show is heavily minimalist in its perspective. And minimalism applies itself so perfectly to schedules because when we get intentional about the clutter in our homes, when we get intentional about what we choose to keep in our homes, what we're really doing there is we are dabbling in building a life of intention. So that brings me to the second point you made, which was obligation. I feel like a lot of us, myself included, we sign up for all the things, all the volunteer activities. We sign up for them, we put them on our calendars, and we spread ourselves thin because we feel obligated. So talk to me about obligation and what are your tips for people who just struggle with that obligation factor? 
Oh yeah. So, you know, first of all, I, I'm, I'm aware that everybody is in a different place financially. Um, you know, maybe they're taking care of family, maybe they're struggling with their mental or physical health. So it's going to look different for everybody, how you can kind of simplify your schedule and your life. So I just want to start by saying that, but I want to share that this whole process for me started with decluttering my stuff. So like you said, Stephanie, like that is such a good, I, I kind of feel like getting rid of my stuff was like the training wheels for intention, right? Yeah. Like I decluttered my stuff and then that, that, that process and that way of thinking and kind of asking myself questions transferred over into everything else I do. It transferred into my relationships, what I do with my time, my career, what I put in my body, everything has started with just getting rid of my stuff. And so when you are decluttering, you're usually asking yourself questions like, do I actually need this or do I think I should have it? Am I keeping this because I feel guilty about getting rid of it, but I don't actually want it? Am I only keeping this around because I spent a lot of money on it, but I don't actually use it or want to use it? So you get used to asking yourself those types of questions about your stuff. And then you find yourself asking those questions about other stuff in your life, like all the commitments you have or the people that you're around or the job that you're going to every day. So for me, it's really focusing on what is my goal? Like, what is my ideal day to day? And that's how I kind of figured this out for myself. I used to be somebody who was overworked, overscheduled, overbooked and everything. I was involved in like eight different projects. This was about three years ago or so. I had a corporate day job. I was doing stand up on nights and weekends. I was writing my second screenplay. I was going on auditions. I was in the entertainment industry for a long time. So that's, you know, I was just all over the place. I'm on an improv troupe. I just started a podcast, had a product-based side hustle. It was just a mess. And I hit horrible bout of burnout where like my brain just stopped working. It just, bye, <laughs> it left. And I had no choice but to declutter my schedule basically. And so I had to get really honest with myself and ask, what do I actually want? Not what I think I should be doing or what other people you know, tell me I should do. And what I really wanted was just, I wanted to work from home. I wanted to create my own schedule. I wanted to do something creative. And only two things on my list of things that I was doing were actually leading me to that goal. Everything else wasn't. So I was involved in more stuff that was giving me a lifestyle I hated than actually going, going after one I really wanted. So asking yourself, what is your goal? Like, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want your day to look like? I think is a great place to start. And then you take stock of everything that you're actually doing. And you ask yourself, okay, is this leading to my goal or is it taking away from it? And you kind of go down the list like that, like a little inventory of all the stuff that you're involved in. Um, mm -hmm. And you come up with a plan to either ease out of it, remove it immediately, and how to kind of double down on the stuff that you really enjoy. So that's kind of a, you know, a short version of, of what I did. So I have to ask, when you look back now, I know hindsight is twenty twenty, but when you look back at that period of your life where you were juggling all the things. Why do you think you were juggling all the things, even if they weren't truly in line with with you and your purpose? Such a good question. I think I, I lacked a lot of self-awareness back then and I lacked confidence in what I what like my gut instinct, you know, I was listening to a lot of people and letting external factors play a role. And I just didn't know. It was a lack of information too. I didn't know 
that the things that I loved doing the most, I could actually make a living doing. I didn't have any examples of that around me, really. And so I didn't think it was possible to make a living by talking to my friends on a podcast or, or, you know, coaching people on their projects and businesses. I didn't think that was a possibility. I didn't know what that would look like. And so I was trying to put myself into these boxes that I had seen examples of, and I wasn't fitting into any of them, but I was really trying to force it because I just didn't know what else to do. That's what everybody else was doing around me. And so I say, I wish I would have found it sooner, but I don't know how I would have without that burnout. I don't think I would have actually been seeking like, okay, what other options are there are out there for me? And what even is a business coach? Like, what, you know, I just didn't know. And what I loved doing didn't feel tangible. Like talking to people about their dreams didn't feel like a tangible business. You know? yeah. So I dismissed it. But like all the signs of what I loved doing were always there and have always been there. And so Um, I think people dismiss what they love doing and what they're good at. And if we just started listening to ourselves more, we would all be much happier. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So much of what you said resonates with me. My listeners have heard me say on the show before that in my prior life, I was a teacher. When I look back and I think about why I became a teacher, I think I became a teacher because Many people in my family are teachers. I thought the schedule looked good. I thought it was a a respectable career. And when I started teaching, what I didn't realize was that then all my time was going to be devoted to teaching, pretty much, grading the papers after school <laughs> on the weekends. And so it left a lot less time for me to do my own creative endeavors, I think. And so for me, when I am thinking about simplifying daily life, decluttering the non-essentials on the schedule, and honing in on what makes me tick, my first step personally that always works is to just question everything. Ask myself why. Why am I doing this? It's all about questioning whether it makes sense for me personally. What's your first step when you think about simplifying your own schedule? Yes. I mean, that's exactly what it is. It is. It is really about questioning everything. Why am I doing, for me, I like to ask myself, am I doing this for the right reasons? And I kind of have a little checklist of questions. I like to ask myself questions like, would I still do this if I couldn't tell anybody about it? Because that might tell me if I'm kind of acting out of ego versus out of authenticity. Would I do this if I only had two years left on earth? And I say two years because I think people will be like, what if you only had a week left? Well, I'd quit everything and I would just eat all the food and be with my family and, and not do anything, right? Um, but two years gives me a kind of a timeline where, okay, if I could work for a year making great money doing something I love, and then that second year, I would retire and do whatever I wanted in my free time. That will usually tell me if I actually want to be doing it. So it's another question I ask myself. So yeah, I just kind of go through that little checklist of, of those questions. And that will usually help me make a decision if I really want to do something. Or if I'm, I, I'm doing it because I think I should. Oh my gosh, a light bulb just went off in my head. I think a question for me needs to be, would I do this if it wasn't social media cool, right? Like if I wouldn't post it on social media. If I couldn't post this on Instagram, <laughs> would I still go or do this thing? Yeah. Yeah. That I would... think that's huge. Well, I've heard you say on an interview 
prior that you're a natural introvert. First of all, that doesn't mesh with who I'm speaking with right now, but that's for another day. I am not. I am one of probably the biggest extroverts on this planet, and so I have that fear of missing out all the time. Okay, if I say no to this social activity, am I going to regret it later? Do you have any advice for people who, like me, who just thrive in those social situations, but also know that they can't spread themselves too thin? Right. Oh man, that's a good question. I mean, is it is it too dark to say like if it was your if it was one of your last nights on earth, are these the people that you want to be around? I think that's a big one for me is because I find myself being very drained by surfacey type of acquaintance type of relationships, and I know that that has to kind of start out that way before you get into a deeper one, but I really just love spending time with my family and my closest friends and you know, if I meet other people, great, but I usually question, do I actually want to go to this event where I'm not going to know a lot of people? Yeah, maybe it's good for my career to do so, but do I really want to spend four hours at this thing or would I, you know, do I want to go hang out with my little sisters and, and brother instead, you know, stuff like that. But again, I'm an introvert asking myself. So I really, I really have like a, what a, you know, a fear of uh, missing in, like inside <laughs> You know, so um, I think we might have, you know, different questions that we might need to ask ourselves. But are these the people that you would spend your last months with might be a good place to start? Or this activity? Is this what you would want to spend? Because, you know, I love that quote that, what is it? what what is I'm missing it now? Like every day is your life. Like your life is is how you spend your how you spend your days is how you spend your life. Mm. I think that's super important. I think we kind of tend to think, oh. I'll get to that. Or uh, when I have this amount of money, then I'll live, (laughs) then I'll live to the fullest. Or when I get this promotion, then I'll do this. But really how you're spending your time now is, is how you're spending your life, you know? As a mother, and a lot of my listeners are parents, it can seem as though mm, our personal wants and desires and goals get pushed to the back, back, back burner because the kids' wants and needs and goals come to the forefront. So even though you're not a parent, do you have any suggestions for listeners like me who, if I get 30 minutes at the end of the day that is not having anything to do with childcare or work or household maintenance... Do you have any words of wisdom for listeners like me who need to simplify their schedules, but really they can't find any fat to cut? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, first of all, I, I don't know how parents do it. <laughs> I don't know because I mean, I was, I was, uh, I have like 10 years of childcare experience. So I've been a nanny and a tutor and stuff like that. And I see how much work it is. And if you are a parent and you have like a business and you're keeping your shit together, I don't know if I can swear. Sorry. If you're keeping it together, um, I, I don't, I, I honestly, I mean, I have a huge amount of respect for that. And I think any, I think any, any kind of meantime you get, is it as simple as just asking, what do you want to do with that time? Not what you think you should or what bill has to be paid or, oh, I should work out or I should do this. But like, what do you actually need to recharge yourself? Is it watch a TV show? Is it take a bath? Is it have a glass of wine on your patio? Whatever it is. Um, I think it's fascinating, especially as women to learn the statistics out there of like, if you know, if you are a woman in a romantic relationship with a man, 
even if both parties work full time, the women still does more housework. So is there something on your plate that could be shared with a partner or delegated or outsourced? I'm a huge fan of outsourcing and I think more women need to do it just for that very reason that we have been ingrained to, you know, take care of everyone and everything and put ourselves last. And I think that is a crap, you know, I don't think that's fair at all. And so where can you outsource? Where can you outsource your life in your business in your, in your kind of life admin tasks, right? Like, can you get a laundry service? Can you get a meal service? Can you get a house cleaner? Anything like that to give you some time back and your family some time back. But I'm a huge fan of just removing things completely or just outsourcing them to somebody else, which I've done in, in my life. And it's made a huge difference. It's made me, I mean, I have more time for self-care. My business has grown. I see my friends and family more. So I don't know, what can you come up with? Well, I think you really hit the nail on the head. You said delegate, you said outsource, and I would add automate, whatever can be automated. Automate is simple and it's free. And (laughs) when things happen behind the scenes that I don't have to put my mental capacity into having get done, like that's beauty. Delegate assumes you have a partner or somebody close to you that you can delegate to. Some of us listening may not. And I feel for you listeners, if if that's your case, I don't know how you're doing it, especially during COVID. And then outsource, of course, there's the caveat that outsourcing requires some financial means to outsource, which then would assume privilege. But I can say in my own life, when I take funds from one thing (laughs) and apply it to the outsourcing, the benefits are exponential in terms of it's not just this thing that I hate getting done for me, but it's also like the decreased mental load and that is priceless. So if it means like I'm canceling my Netflix subscription so somebody else will blow the leaves on my yard. I'm go- I mean, if that's possible for me, like I'm really going to consider it. Oh, absolutely. I think, you know, I think people, you know, they'll have like vacation funds and they'll have retirement funds and they'll have like holiday gift funds and they'll have these funds for stuff. But like, what about an outsourcing fund for yourself where it's like, here, this, when we put money in here, we get more time back with each other as a family, or you get more me time back, whatever it is. And I mean, coming up with a system could be like, yeah, as easy as putting an autoresponder on your email. So you don't have to respond to everything. And people have the information when they, when they reach out to you, right? Um, or like, yeah, you mentioned Instagram, putting like a quick, reply, a quick reply where you can press a button and respond to somebody that you get a frequently asked question about. When I think about, you know, what I used to do is even just batching my work made it feel a little bit less crazy in my life, right? If I knew like, okay, on Wednesdays, um, I do a couple of loads of laundry and that's my system. And just just taking, like you said, the mental energy out of it, having a plan, not just kind of floating around aimlessly doing things as they pile up and then you're overwhelmed. I mean, even my my fiance and I like uh, I'll wash the dirty dishes and he'll put the clean ones away. And that's our system that we don't we don't have to talk about. Oh, can you do the dishes tonight? Oh, can you can you know that back and forth, just draining conversation. Uh, We just know who does what and it gets done and there's no nothing to talk about, you know, just kind of putting those things in place for yourself. I definitely agree. And back to the concept of intentionality is 
when we are questioning the things that need to get done in our daily life, there are certainly some things that need to get done, like feeding the children that needs to get done. But there are other things that just don't have to get done. When when I'm thinking about housework, I'm thinking about the worst chore in the whole world, which is, of course, ironing. Ironing does not have to get done. We can all wear wrinkly clothes. And so that brings me to my question about prioritizing. For those of us who are not in the habit or the practice of prioritizing what needs to happen, what we'd like to see done, what we could let go... Do you have any tips for listeners who need to start prioritizing but really have trouble letting go of the need to do it all? Yeah, good question. Honestly, (laughs) I don't know how popular of an answer this is going to be, but I like to start with the things I hate. If you write down a short list of the things you hate doing, these are the things that drain your energy, that that you maybe procrastinate on, that you are annoyed while doing them. If you can just write that list down and come up with a solution and an action step for each thing, even if it's like, okay, I don't like doing this, but if I do it once a month and I try to pair it with an activity, that's fun. Like if I hate doing laundry, but if I, you know, if I'm putting loads of laundry in like on and off all day, maybe I'm also watching my favorite TV show in between. How do I make that more fun for myself? Right? Like for me, I hate cooking. I hate it so much. I've tried to like it. I have tried to bake things from, or make things from scratch. I've tried to like do half frozen food, half cooked food <laughs> combos, bake cakes. I don't like it. I, it makes me angry to be in the kitchen cooking. I don't know why. I just, I just don't like it. And so for me, that was a big one where I want a meal delivery service because I don't want to spend every day being angry at some point in my day because that was basically what was going on. And so for me, that was a big one. And one of the first places I started was like, can I get pre-made food delivered to my house that I can put in the oven or microwave? And I was able to do that. And I'm able to budget for that because it's super important to me. So yeah, what do you hate doing? Is it laundry? Is it answering emails in your business? Is it, is it cooking? Is it cleaning? Um, and How can you either set up a system to where you don't have to think about it and pair it with an activity that you like, or how can you get help with it? Whether it's outsourcing or, you know, coming up with something with a friend maybe and, and, and doing something like that, but make your hate list (laughs) and get rid of those as soon as possible or figure, figure out a solution as soon as possible and keep going from there. (laughs) There's definitely something to be said about doing the most dreaded task first. There was that Mark Twain quote, if you have to eat a frog, eat it in the morning or it's so true. I'm just thinking, (laughs) I'm just thinking back to this morning, this email came in and it was a time sensitive. I needed to like do something to respond back to this person and I really didn't want to do it. So I put it off. So I did everything else. And this frog, this thing that was needed to get done, just weighed on me all morning because I didn't tackle it right then and there. And so that was a good reminder for me that if there's something, whatever it might be, either for the podcast or for my kid's school or for whatever it is that I don't want to do, just hurry up, get it over with and move along your day. Because once it's done, you can cross it off that to-do list and you can move on to other things. Now, I know you're an entrepreneur and I so I want to kind of switch gears really quickly and I want to talk to you specifically about 
working from home, perhaps even being an entrepreneur at home during COVID, I find personally that I could leave my computer on 24-7, <laughs> answer all the emails, but I can't do all the things. I can't spread myself too thin. I need to shut down maybe by 8 p.m. instead of midnight. So talk to me about time management and working from home and perhaps even being an entrepreneur at home. How do you juggle all of those balls? I basically, so because I, d- I definitely struggle with workaholism and burnout and all this stuff, I I have to set up systems for myself that really prevent those things because I have, you know, that that's a big issue that I have. So for me, I have found that I personally am not allowed to do more than three things in one day, like three like main tasks in one day, because that helps me prioritize what actually needs to get done versus what I'm just adding on this never ending to do list. And so I always pick the three most important things that will move my business forward. And that's what I do that day. I also, no matter what's going on, and I've of course, I'm not perfect with any of this, but I really try to wrap up by 5.30 or earlier. The reason I picked 5.30 is that, you know, before COVID, my my fiance would come home from work and he would get home around 5.30 and I really wanted to be able to unplug and enjoy my evening with him and stuff like that. Or else I would just work around the clock. <laughs> so I had to kind of set up these like external f- factors for myself, um, external accountability basically to you know, get off my computer and not be answering emails at midnight and all this stuff. And so that's another big one. And also having a space. Oh my gosh, it's, it makes such a big difference when you actually have like a desk or an area (laughs) where you do your work. I was doing my work on like our bedroom dresser or our nightstand or the kitchen table. I mean, I was just, it was all over the place. Nothing, nothing was intentional. And I just felt like a mess. Um, and so I have this little desk in the nook of our bedroom because we live in Los Angeles and we have a very small apartment. And so just having a designated space where you feel good, maybe put some decorations that you like or things that make you happy, uh, in that space. But yeah, those little tips of, even though you're, you're living and working in the same space, how can you separate it for yourself? How can you make it feel a little bit different when you're at work versus when you're at home? I used to not like get dressed in the morning. I used to roll out of bed in my pajamas and do my work in my pajamas all day and night. And sometimes I do, but (laughs) I do find that even just putting like a sundress on or like yoga pants and stuff like that makes me feel like, okay, I'm in my work outfit now. (laughs) I feel a little bit more energized. Um, Those little tips basically, because really what I'm doing is living and sleeping and working and eating in the same space. And it can get kind of (laughs) crazy. Love what you said about having a designated workspace. It's the same for, you know, the homeschooling kids have a, if you can, if space allows, have a designated work or a designated homeschool space. And if you don't, if you are using the kitchen table, then as a minimalist, you would want to pack all that up at the end of the night, maybe put it in the book bag or put it in the your backpack. It doesn't even matter what the bag is, as long as you know, you're packing it up and you're closing the book, you're closing the day. And you can get your table back for the rest of your personal life, right? I actually have to put my laptop away in a drawer so I don't open it up and use it. Oh. <laughs> so I actually have to hide my work from myself. Uh, and then, you know, that's really when things have been shut down. But yeah, we have like a little, um, oh my gosh, it's like it's like a bedroom dresser in our kitchen that we use as 
<laughs> I don't know, uh, to put plates in and stuff. And so, yeah, I would hide my stuff in that drawer and close up shop for the day. And then it would become a d- dinner table again. So yeah, exactly. I mean, whatever you got to do, I, I'm definitely one of those people that it's out of sight, out of mind. If I don't see it, I won't, I won't think about it. I won't stress about it. I won't obsess over it. But if I see it, I will want to do something with it. So you might need to just know that about yourself and hide things from you. Your higher self might need to punish your lower self sometimes for for the greater good of sanity, right? Yes. Well, Delaney, this was such a fun conversation. Where can my listeners find you online and find your coaching business online? Yeah, you can find everything at DelaneyFisher.com. Both my podcasts are on there. I have one with two of my friends called Self Helpless. And I also have a solo podcast called Eficionado, where um, every episode I help you simplify a topic in your life. So this would probably be a good one to check out. Um, and yeah, all my coaching is on there as well. So DelaneyFisher.com will, will give you everything you need to know. Well, I just want to thank you again so much for coming on. I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom. And I really look forward to seeing where you take your business. Thank you so much. You as well. This was a blast. I so hope you enjoyed that interview with Delaney Fisher. You can find her as well as little snippets of everything we talked about today in the show notes at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 150. This week, I have an eco tip and it comes from Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth's eco tip is more of a vision, (laughs) something she'd like to do in the future, and it comes just in time for the holidays. Her tip is to bring back the secret Santa. Now, if you don't know what the secret Santa is, secret Santa is when in advance of the holidays, everyone in your extended family takes a name out of a hat and buys just one gift for their person. And so everybody at your get-together gets just one gift, one thoughtful, one thoughtfully purchased or thoughtfully made gift from their secret Santa. Now, Elizabeth goes much further than bringing back the secret Santa. And Elizabeth said that in her vision, everybody has a fabric bag with their name written or probably perhaps embroidered on it so that every year the same gift wrap, the same fabric gift bag is used. And the purpose here, of course, is that there's no gift wrap waste. Everybody's getting just one thoughtful gift, so so there's no unconscious, unintentional purchasing of trinkets. Everybody's getting what they want in a zero-waste packaging. I love it. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. Now, I should say that Elizabeth said that this is a vision because her extended family is not so much on board with the secret Santa. But if your family is receptive, please go for it. Secret Santa's in reusable packaging and then write to me and let me know how it goes for you. I will see you next week. Have an amazing week. Stay home, stay healthy, stay safe, and take care, my friends.